As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see this message. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight we're going to begin three weeks about Christmas, and we're going to call it Christmas the rest of the story in my regular teaching program this week. That's the name of my series. It's called Christmas, the rest of the story. It's 15 parts. You ought to order the whole series. And it comes with a study guide, which is 124 pages, 124 page study guide. That's like a book. And the study guide is free for you right now. You just go online, download it. It is yours, our gift to you. You will eat it up. But you ought to order the series that comes with it because every single day, by the way, guys, welcome to the home group tonight. Every day in the series, I begin somewhere in Jerusalem where all these events took place. And I'm telling you, it is worth the stand-ups to the whole series just to see where all these things really took place. Yes, Joel? I just want to say I enjoyed those TV programs so very much. And really, we shared with you what we do as a family every year. And we go through the Christmas story. And if you don't know how to go through the Christmas story with your family, I think this study guide and these programs are a great example. Well, the reason I call it Christmas the rest of the story is because every year I heard the same story growing up. I didn't know there was anything else to the story. My goodness, there is so much to the story. And so when you dig a little deeper, you can fill in all the blanks. The whole picture begins to come together. It is amazing. But we're also offering you right now, and by the way, this would be a great time for you to order this because... Christmas is coming up and you're thinking about what to buy people for Christmas. Well, you know what? You can buy a lot of gifts that they'll appreciate for about five minutes and then they'll forget. Or you can buy them a gift that will last and last and last and last. And that's what Sparkling Gems is. It is a devotional that will make an impact in their life for the rest of their life. And if they already have number one, then buy number two because there's two in each one of these. A thousand Greek word studies. Between the two of them, two thousand Greek word studies. And Denise, it's not written for theologians. This is written for common people, really taking these wonderful treasures, gems from the New Testament, and making them where we can really understand them. Anyway, there's order family. yours right now. There's families. I've, I've, they've told me they gather around sparkling gems every night with their family, with their children, and they read sparkling gems. Is that a blessing? Oh, I love it. Welcome to the home group, Denise Renner. Well, thank you, Rick. And home group, welcome. This is going to be a wonderful home group, and we're going to learn more about Christmas. And we just want to welcome you. Maxime, we welcome you. I'm, I'm happy to be here. And you were saying you were hearing the same story again and again. I didn't hear any stories on Christmas. Until I turned 20, until I got saved, I didn't know what was Christmas. Well, that's because you grew up in a communist world. My mom never talked to me about Christmas. My, my dad never talked to me about Christmas. So I was, I knew nothing. So I'm excited to learn. That's awesome. Hey, Joel, welcome. Wow, Maxime. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I just want to say thank you for being with us. You know, today we're going to get into the book of Luke, and I'm looking forward to it very much. Amen. Christmas story is so very special. Jesus came for us. And I'm so grateful he did. Well, I want to tell you what we're going to be talking about tonight in home group. By the way, grab your Bible because you're going to need your Bible tonight. Tonight and tomorrow night, we're going to see why God chooses certain individuals. Why did God choose Mary? Mm -hmm. That's what we're going to see tonight. Okay, here's the next question. Why did God choose Joseph? 
You know, does God just take names and put a bunch of names in a paper sack, shake it all up like a lottery, put his hand in and pull out a name and say, okay, this is the one that I'm going to use? No, no, no. God doesn't do anything like that. If God chooses somebody, there's a specific reason. God is very logical. And guess what? I, you've been fed a lie your whole life. You've been told God works in strange and mysterious ways. But in fact, when you look at how God works, how God works is very predictable. God is very predictable. He removes many mysteries for us. He's logical. He's predictable. And tonight I'm going to show you why God chose Mary. And my friend, God wants to choose you. Aren't you glad God chose us? Mm -hmm. He has a purpose for all of our lives. But we have this little nativity set here tonight because we're talking about Christmas. Christmas. But let's go in our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Now, in the introduction to the regular TV program today, I'm filming in the Church of the Holy Nativity in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus was born. Now, there's a lot of arguments that maybe he was born here and maybe he was born there. But that site was identified in the 320s. And as early as the year 326, a church had already been built on that site. Now, in 326, there were relatives and distant family members still alive who remembered the event. Mm -hmm. So it was not hard to identify the location where it took place. And we know that that is where this event took place. It is quite an amazing sight to go see. But why, why did God choose Mary? Well, we know a lot about Mary. We know a lot about the family of Jesus. For example, in addition to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, and other early documents, there was a lot of historical information recorded about Jesus, about his mother, and about his family. You know, in the early days of the church, there were what were called church fathers. Church fathers were really educated elders in the church who were so smart they could write. And they're called the church fathers. And because Mary was so important and the family of Jesus was so important, those early church fathers wrote a lot of historical facts about the Holy Family. Well, of course, it was a very important family. And we know, for example, who was Jesus' grandfather on Joseph's side. His name was Jacob. We know that from Matthew 1.16. We know that Jesus' grandfather on Mary's side was Joachim. That's amazing. We know that Jesus had cousins. On Mary's side of the family, he had a cousin named Zacharias. She was married to Elizabeth. They had a child whose name was John. That was Jesus' cousin. He became John the Baptist. We know that Jesus had brothers. He had sisters. We know this from Matthew 13, 55 and 56, where we read the names of four brothers, James, Jude, Joseph, Simeon. And verse 56 says that he had sisters, plural, which means he had at least two sisters. So we know a lot about the family of Jesus. In fact, if you look at all the Gospels, the Gospel that gives us the names of 14 members of Jesus' family. Wow. Is that amazing? That's amazing. I never knew that when I was growing up. 14 members of Jesus' family are named in the Bible. The answer is yes. But what do we know about Mary? Well, let's go to Luke chapter one. Are you guys ready? I am ready. And we're going to begin in verse 26, these famous verses, and we're going to read all the way to verse 30. And in the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, that's very important, espoused, that word espoused is also very important, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Twice now we're told that she was a virgin. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. But twice in these five verses, we're told that Mary was a virgin and listen to this, twice in these five verses, we're told that Mary had been favored by God. That word favored means she had been selected. This was not a random choice. She had been selected. She had been singled out. She had been chosen. But the question is, why Mary? Why did God choose Mary? But let's go on and read a little bit more of the story. Let's go down to verse 31 to 34. It says, and behold, this is Gabriel speaking, Thou shalt conceive in thy woman, bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and in his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be seen that I know not a man? She had never had a sexual relationship with a man. This was a physical impossibility. But it's important to see she did not say this cannot be. She did not argue with Gabriel. She simply asked for clarification. And likewise, if God speaks to you and tells you something that you don't understand, don't argue with him. He's God. He can say whatever he wants, but it's all right for you to ask for clarification. She was not doubtful. She wasn't even fear-filled. She simply said, tell me how this is going to happen. And the angel answered her in verses 25 to 26 to 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid. Notice that word handmaid. The handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. But notice, Mary calls herself a handmaid. What does that mean? Well, the word handmaid is the Greek word for a female servant, which means this was the equivalent of Mary saying, I am your servant. I am at your disposal. I'm available for whatever assignment you want to give to me. Now, as you study the life of Mary, there are several things we know about the long-term history of Mary. We know that not only was she the virgin mother of Jesus, but we know from John chapter 19, she was at the cross with Jesus. We know that she saw Jesus after the resurrection. We know from Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 that Mary was there on the day of Pentecost and Mary spoke in tongues. If you're ever trying to share about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with a Catholic, just tell them, hey, even the Virgin Mary spoke in tongues. If Mary spoke in tongues, you ought to speak in tongues too. But she was the virgin mother of Jesus. She was at the cross with Jesus. She saw him after the resurrection. She was there on the day of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit. She spoke with other tongues. And we know that at the very end of Jesus' life, when he was dying on the cross, he entrusted the care of his mother, 
into the hands of the Apostle John. That's recorded in John chapter 19. And John became the caretaker of Mary for the rest of her life. And when John later moved to the city of Ephesus, guess what? He took Mary with him. And even Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a member of the church in Ephesus. I think all of that is amazing. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Any comments so far before we go on? It's a lot of fun. And I like that the, the angel Gabriel confirmed things immediately. He said that your, your cousin is pregnant and she's already six months pregnant. And I think that's just amazing that God gives confirmations immediately. Well, what was Mary's home life like when she was growing up? That's a very important question. What do we know about Mary's family? Because this has something to do with why God chose Mary. In addition to what the Bible tells us about Mary, because of early Christian writers, they were called the church fathers because they wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And my friends, they wrote so much information. We even know a lot about Mary's parents. For example, Christian records show that Mary's parents were older and they had no children. <clears throat> they prayed for a long time to God to give them a child and God gave them a child and it was Mary. Early Christian writers recorded they were so blessed when Mary was born that they dedicated her to the Lord for his service. They really made a dedication of Mary to the Lord. So from the time that she was an infant, it was instilled into her that her life was to serve God. That was put in her from the time that she was a child. She was told that she had been born for a special purpose. And Mary's parents raised her in a home where God's word was a priority. I'm going to show this to you in just a moment. And it shaped her spiritually and it shaped Mary to become spiritually sensitive. She was raised to believe God. She was raised to obey God. She was told that her life had been given, that she might serve God. And when Gabriel showed up and said, you've been chosen, she didn't argue. Why? Because she'd been raised to understand she was the handmaid of the Lord. That's what her parents put in her. And my friend, I want to tell you, as a parent or a grandparent, you have such a God-given responsibility to put into your kids and to put into your grandkids that they are not here by accident, that God has a purpose for their life. And there's something else important. History says they dedicated Mary. Well, today, many churches have what are called baby dedications. We also have it in our church. In the Moscow Good News Church, it's a big event. We call it a baby dedication, but you know what it really is? It's not a baby dedication. It's a parent dedication. Because when you stand there with your baby, as a parent, you are committing that you're going to raise this child in church. You're going to raise this child to believe the Word of God. You're going to raise this child to serve God. We call it a baby dedication, but it's really a parent dedication. Mary's parents were dedicated that they were going to raise this little child to serve God. But what do we know about Mary's father? Well, we actually know quite a lot about Mary's father. The Bible tells us that, not the Bible, but early Christian records tell, her that, tell us that Mary's father was in full-time ministry as a scroll scholar. Mm. Her father was in the ministry. His life was built around the Word of God and his commitment to the Scriptures. As a scroll scholar, he would have been in the synagogue all the time because that's where the scrolls were kept. 
And that meant that his whole family were probably involved in synagogue life or his family went to church. Church was a central feature in their life. They served God together at church or in the synagogue. But history tells us that Mary's father and her family relocated to Nazareth at some point early in her life. Before that, they lived in the city of Jerusalem. But while they lived in Nazareth, her father served as the overseer of the sacred scrolls in the synagogue of the nearby town of Sephorus. Now, you say, well, what is Sephorus? Sephorus was called the Ornament of Galilee. It was a very, very rich, rich city. It was built by one of Herod's sons. And the synagogue in Sephorus, some people call it Sephorus, 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 either way it's fine. But the synagogue in Sephorus was amazing. In fact, today you can go to the ancient ruins of Sephorus. It's amazing to me. Most people never go there. Denise has never been there. Joel's never been there. Maxime and I, I have, have been, been there. Have you been there? I've I have been, been there. Did you go there with yes. me? Yes. I've been so many times I can't remember who was and wasn't with me. But. The synagogue in Sephorus is amazing. It is amazing. The mosaics on the floor. You can see this was a rich, rich, rich city. And the synagogue in Sephorus was so important to the teaching of the scriptures and had such a huge collection of sacred scrolls that when Jerusalem was sacked by Titus in the year 70 and the temple was destroyed, all spiritual education moved from Jerusalem to Sephorus because that's where the biggest collection of sacred scrolls were outside of Jerusalem. And who was in charge of that library? Mary's father. What does that say about him? He was committed to the word of God. His entire life was about the Bible. But the city of Sephorus was just a few miles away from the city of Nazareth. We'll cover this in the next programs. But I have a question. Do you take your child to church? It is absolutely certain that Mary's parents involved her in serving God. She understood from the time that she was young, my purpose is to serve God. I was dedicated for God. There's nothing more important than the Bible in serving my church and serving my community through my church or through the synagogue. This was very, very important. You see, God chooses people that have been trained. Mary had been trained. That's why when the angel spoke to her, she said, hey, I'm the handmaid of the Lord. She had been raised to serve God, whatever it was. But I want us to see something else. Matthew 1.18 tells us, Matthew 1.18. And when as his mother Mary was espoused, to Joseph before they came together, she was found of child of the Holy Ghost. Well, there's several important things in this verse. First, it says she was espoused. That word espoused in modern terms would mean she was engaged. She was pledged to be married to Joseph. And it was during this engagement process, it says before they came together, which means they had no sexual contact whatsoever. And without sexual contact during this time of engagement, suddenly she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. Well, Jewish girls were eligible for engagement at the age of 12. Seems pretty unbelievable, doesn't it? <laughs> Mary was probably between 12 and 14 years old when she became engaged to Joseph. 
And at that time, when they became engaged, a public announcement of their marital intentions would have been made. And then the two of them together went into a one-year period of training to prepare them for marriage. So when the Bible says she was engaged before they came together, we know that they were in that one-year period preparing for marriage. They were not married, but they were engaged, and the engagement was legally binding. In fact, if you broke the engagement, you had to break it legally because it was legally binding, but you did not have any sexual contact during that year. You took a whole year to prepare for marriage. That is how important they believed marriage was. Whereas today, we live in a society where people just say, let's go get married. No training, no preparation, and that also explains why marriages break up so fast. They treated marriage like it was the most important relationship in life and took a whole year to prepare for it. Denise? Well, I think it's very, very, very wise because knowledge helps you. It does. And um, when you're going to marry somebody for the rest of your life, everything that you can know and understand about yourself and about your spouse is only to add to your relationship, not to take away from your relationship. Joel, I was thinking about the Jewish traditions. I believe the Jewish tradition was what you just explained. They had a whole year of preparation, but the rest of the world that was at that time probably had other traditions. Well, they probably didn't have any preparation. Yeah, so the Jewish faith, the Jewish people are just amazing. Mm-hmm. And the, the laws that God established and the traditions they have are just amazing to me. Maxine? I have a question if it's appropriate to ask. Sure. I heard many times that Joseph was much older. Is it based on any historical facts or it's just... Do we know if he was older? I would call that rubbish. That okay. is silly. Okay. And I will answer that tomorrow night. Okay. Home. Okay. Looking forward to it. There's a lot. There's a lot of legend about Joseph and Mary that is not based on the Bible. It's okay. not even based on history. It's not based on reality, and that's why I call this Christmas the rest of the story. You ought to go get this download at our website. It's free. You should order the whole series because this series is jam packed, and I'm going to tell you this would be a great series for you to share with your family, with your kids, with your grandkids, because it just makes the Bible come alive. Joel? I was going to say something about faith. When we were reading in Luke, uh, we talked, we heard about how Mary, mm-hmm. she spoke with Gabriel, and she said, how can I be the Lord's servant? Whatever he wills, I want to be. Mary had so much faith. And if she was 12, like, like it seems like she 12 is. 12 or 14, something like that. Her parents did such a good job instilling in her faith in confidence because she could even speak with the angel. I mean, most people would just be looking at the angel with their mouth open, but she had the courage and the confidence and faith to accept what the angel was saying and not only just accept it, but have a dialogue. And can I add something there? Because after, after Mary hears this, then the angel in verse 36 says, you know, that now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Of course, that's supposed to be impossible. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And I just think that that angel and Elizabeth's time of her carrying John was Absolutely to encourage Mary, because this was huge 
what Mary was saying yes to mm. and to be engaged and supposed to be a and she's a virgin and now she's going to be pregnant. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure that she had even about Joseph. And I mean, the odds were against her. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you could be stoned for being pregnant out of wedlock. But Denise, I mean, this was the vessel that was going to carry God in the flesh. Now, think about people who say, well, God just randomly chooses people. No, he does not. God does everything on the basis of observation. In fact, we're told in Chronicle that God's eyes are searching through the earth, looking for who he can use. God doesn't just throw names into a sack, shake them up and say, okay, let's see who I'll choose. God is looking for people that have submitted to his dealings, people that respect him and fear him. Those are the people who get assignments. And I think it's also important to note, she was just a child. God will use a child if there's no one else to use. But her parents prepared her for this. Her parents prepared her. Her daddy was committed to the Bible. I'm sure that her mother was a very godly woman. Now, I'm writing a book called Christmas, the Rest of the Story. And because there's so much to the story that people don't understand and they can't visualize, I have hired an artist who is illustrating the story. Let me show you something amazing. This is an illustration of Mary with her mother standing behind her, a home filled with scrolls, and her father teaching her the scriptures. Here she is listening to the word of God. My friends, this is the environment where Mary was raised. And notice it was quite an opulent home. It would have been opulent because it was in the city of Sephora. Sephora was a place of opulence, a lot of money. Even the synagogue in Sephora, it is just opulent. When I went there, I was stunned. Joel? A lot of people are going to say, when is this wonderful book going to come out? It's going to come out in 2022. Not because of me needing more time to write, because the artist needs time to illustrate. I want people to really be able to visualize this story. Well, it's beautiful artwork. Thank you. Well, so it was while Mary was betrothed or while she was engaged that suddenly before she had ever had any sexual contact with Joseph, she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. Well, let me ask you, what do you think Joseph was tempted to think? Joseph could have said, what? You're pregnant? What do you mean you're pregnant? He could have legally broken it off. In fact, legally, he had the right to demand that Mary be stoned because she was pregnant out of wedlock. But Joseph didn't do that, which leads to my next question. Why did God choose Joseph? Was this random choice? Or did God know something about Joseph? Did God have some kind of previous experience with Joseph that let him know Joseph could be trusted with the biggest assignment he'd ever given to any human being in the history of mankind. What did God know about Joseph? Why did God choose Joseph? And my friends, I have to ask you, what does God know about you? Does God know that he can trust you with an assignment? Are you committed to the Bible? Do you go to church? What are you teaching your children? What does God see in you that would qualify you to be a candidate 
for God to use in a mighty way. And I think it's important for us to say, God, help us to be the kind of person you want to use. Oh, I speak that to you in the name of Jesus. But hey, if you need prayer, please write to us, prayer at renner.org, or give us a call. And as soon as we hear from you, we're going to begin to pray for you. And we'll see you tomorrow night where we're going to see why did God choose Joseph. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please like, subscribe, and comment so more people can see it.